You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm scared. You're scared. We're all scared because it's Thursday night football and we still remember what we sat through last week. We don't know if it's going to be any good, but we know at the end of the day we'll watch. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Got a lot we're going to get to tonight. You know, obviously, we'll have plenty to say about today's uh, article on ESPN.com regarding Daniel Snyder and the Washington Commanders. In fact, Don Van Nata is going to join us later in the show. We'll get some expertise from him on the latest there. But, Sarah, on a night we didn't think we were even going to be on. We thought baseball was going to take away our microphones. In fact, instead, Mm -hmm. we get to hang out and we get to talk about the Commanders. But what makes it glorious is that the Commanders are taking on your Chicago Bears. So, suddenly, Thursday night football has a little bit of love in all of our hearts. I wasn't even supposed to be here today. Uh, <laughs> you said that like it's a good thing. Like, oh, but the good news is we're on during your team's game. Uh, uh, yeah. That's fair. I dealt with that yeah. on Monday, and you're right. It's uh, not fun. Okay, yeah. Um, listen, there are a lot of reasons to be deeply disturbed when it comes to this matchup. If you told me that we're supposed to be optimistic about Justin Fields versus Carson Wentz, a 1-4 commanders team, taking on a two and two bears team. And that's somehow going to be better by the way, at an extremely windy soldier field. Mm. And that's somehow supposed to be better. The bears are two and three, by the way, Uh, I gave them a one fewer loss. I forgot about that loss, but extremely windy soldier field, two losing teams, two, you know, one young quarterback, one struggling quarterback. And we're supposed to like that more than Matt Ryan versus Russell Wilson. We're supposed to <laughs> trust that we'll get a touchdown and and some some modicum of entertainment. I'm worried. Yeah, look, I'm worried about how ugly this is going to look. And I, I have to stress this. Every week, I've been saying the same thing on Thursday nights. Hammer the under. If you look at it, most of the time, whatever the over-under is for points scored, uh, teams are hitting under that virtually every single week uh, on Thursday night football. So the easiest thing in the world to do is to look at this thing and say, okay, how many points are going to be scored according to Vegas total? And whatever that number is, which right, right now is 38, you just you take the under every single time. Offense is hard to find. The question is, does that make for a better opportunity for either of these teams? Because, frankly, Carson Wentz has been beat up for, for a lot of good reasons on the way he's played. But he's 6-0 in his career on Thursday nights. Mm-hmm. He played pretty well for a large portion of the game last week against Tennessee. But all we keep watching is the way he choked at the end, and particularly right. the opportunity that Washington lost there. I think how much differently our conversation would sound for the last week if we hadn't seen the end of that game. So Carson Wentz has at least put up some decent yardage, but man, it hasn't resulted in anything near what uh, what the Washington commanders expected. And now it looks like an ugly football game. Yeah, and you know, he's dealing with a biceps tendon strain that he suffered last week. So you've got an injury to a quarterback who's already been very inconsistent, playing in a tremendous wind, by the way. And you've got a guy who will not be protected by his right tackle, who's out, who doesn't have his starting tight end, who doesn't have a really exciting young player in, in Dotson. You've got, um, you know, a, a lot of concerns uh, for for 
the players that they'll be missing. I think it's a great and fascinating story that Brian Robinson's getting the start at running back. Will he be able to do anything with the offensive line that's supposed to be blocking for him? That's tough to say. It's been really ugly in front of Carson Wentz. Um, And not having Dotson, not having Logan Thomas, not having some of the weapons that even if they don't get the ball, draw attention, um, I think is is going to make it tough because you're you're you know that they're going to have to run the ball and that they're going to want to in the wind. And to that point you said hammer the under. The only thing I'm for sure taking the over on is they've got Justin Fields at like 40 yards on the ground tonight and I think he's going to be on the run with that Commanders pre- uh, uh, pass rush and with the wind they're going to end up trying to trying to force uh on the ground and so I've got a lot more uh legs being used by Justin Fields tonight. Look, I feel like at this point, the phrase behind a terrible offensive line should be a drinking game, but the problem is we'd all die. Like, everybody has such bad offensive lines. It feels like every week it just gets exposed, and you're right. But Rob Ninkovich, ESPN NFL analyst on SportsCenter today, made it clear that he thinks the Bears actually need to be aggressive with fields. They're going to have to take some chances here. They haven't thrown the football. They haven't done much. And both of these teams, let's hope it's not a snooze fest, But again, you really want to see Justin Fields go out there and have some confidence, make some throws, let him use his athleticism to his advantage. If it's open and it's there, take it. Take what the defense gives you and try and move this bare offense down the field and score some points. I mean, I think I agree with him in in principle. I don't know if he saw the weather report when he said that, though. This is a Bears team that had, I think, 67 pass attempts through the first four weeks of the the season. Uh, It got better against the Vikings. That was by far Justin Fields' best game. I think he had the fourth-best QBR in the league uh, coming out of Sunday. Um, And there was a lot more balance there. He threw for a lot more yards, I think, almost, you know, uh, half of what he had amounted to in, in the first four games in just one game in that, in that fifth game. But, um, but I, I don't know how that wind is going to affect their plans tonight. Yeah. And you mentioned Justin Fields rushing earlier. I also think when you're talking about Thursday night, short week, things may not yeah. go as planned. It just means that go, everything goes off schedule when it goes off schedule, that suddenly leads you to a spot where, you know, you use your legs, you do what you know that you're great at. So, uh, we'll see if the game isn't pretty. I know America will be bummed because Twitter conversation already makes it difficult. Right. But Al Michaels even chimed in on our buddies Waddle and Sylvie with his thoughts on if this game goes, if this game looks ugly, here's what Al said. If we don't have a better game than we had last Thursday, I may retire. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> the line of the week, sir. Oh my gosh. Of all of the destruction and dismay caused by these two football teams for vastly different reasons, the Venn diagram intersects at losing and quarterback play right now, but the rest of the Venn diagram is very different as to why these two franchises have let down uh, thousands and thousands of people. But if ultimately they are responsible for Al Michaels' final call, uh, that's the cherry on top of the destruction. Uh, the destruction, of course, involves uh, a whole lot of Dan Dan Snyder as well. Uh, before we get to that, by the way, I, I think I'm going to throw up a couple questions on the old Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. Uh, will there be a touchdown tonight is one. Uh, will Al Michaels retire is another. Uh, <laughs> what else should we ask the people? Uh what, will what, you what watch we, the whole game? Will you, yeah, like, will you watch the whole game? And will this be on a first screen or second? Because as I heard earlier today, I, I hadn't really thought about it. I did notice it last week during the game that you're stuck on Prime. 
Like regular TV, you flip away to some baseball for a bit, you come back and check in. With Prime, if it's not on a second screen, you have to exit, find another channel, go to it, log back in, get back to the game. Like it's not a seamless thing. So is it a good idea to throw it up on a on a phone <laughs> and oh keep God. something else on so that you're so that you're not stuck in the hell that might be Commander's Bears? I'm not going to lie, Sarah. I may or may not have gotten a new TV today, so it's definitely going on the front <laughs> screen. Like, it's going on the big boy. That's oh, all I'm boy. saying. Uh, be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Tweet us at Sarah Spain at Jason Fitz. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. You guys deserve a real conversation on everything that's happening and being reported right now regarding Dan Snyder. We are going to have Don Vonetta on later with us to talk to him about some of the details. But I want you to hear a little of what he had to say on the conversations around Snyder, specifically from today's ESPN Daily. Snyder tried to silence this woman a second time mm. by offering another seven-figure check for her to stay quiet so she would not testify and tell her story to either Beth Wilkinson, the lawyer in Washington, D.C., that was investigating Snyder for the NFL, or to Mary Jo White, who is currently in the midst of an investigation, a second one of Snyder, and Sullivan told me that seven-figure offer that was made to his client was flatly rejected, and she has spoken to Mary Jo White. But wait, Don, this this single bit of news here alone is an enormous headline, right? I mean, what does this represent in terms of Dan Snyder, owner of an NFL team? One former Washington executive with knowledge of exactly what happened here said that if owners found out all the facts of this, this could be the tipping point to Snyder losing the team. It's a, hmm. it's just the beginning of what is a very common. Snyder. There's so much information that's happening through this process. That's why uh, we'll talk to Don in a little bit, and we'll get even more insight on it. In the meantime, Major League Baseball postseason is here. We saw our first rally goose. We'll explain it and get you through more quickies coming up next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. God, I love that song. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz. Sarah, we got so much to get to. There's only one way this show can do it. It is time for some quickies. Quickies with Spain and Fitz. We get in and out of topics fast. I'm going to take us off the rails on the very first one because this wasn't even part of quickies, but it is now. UCF. You just uh, told me I hadn't even seen this. I'm looking at pictures of glow-in-the-dark jerseys yeah. for their football yeah, they're game. Like, this fire. Is fire. Yeah. So I I scrolled past it first because Jeremy Taché shared them, and I couldn't figure out, like, what's the connection here? What's going on? And then I saw that Front Office Sports said, UCF was founded to develop the next generation of personnel for the U.S. space program. Nearly one-third of the employees at Kennedy Space Center are UCF alumni. Tonight, the Knights honor their roots by rebranding themselves as the Space U Citronauts. And those unis are insanely cool. Yeah, like they they literally they glow in the dark. They look like black light uniforms or something. Citronaut was the first mascot of the Florida Technological University, which later became UCF. So it's very uh, George Jetson-esque, the look of the very first. It looks like if you took a Syracuse orange and then you put George Jetson's feet and head on top of it. 
This is uh, look. UCF uh, now can claim a national championship for best jersey of the year. Uh, give it to them; <laughs> and they can have it. Let's go to the next story. Quickies. All right, I'm sitting there watching a little late night Major League Baseball uh, last night, watching the Dodgers and the Padres. Heck of a game. Uh, I'm, I'm into the whole thing, and then other, all of a sudden, this moment happens. This is what it sounded like on ESPN Radio. We have a goose in the outfield, sitting in right center. Very relaxed. Wow. Um, I'm not sure how they're going to get this goose. I mean, I don't know my bird life that well, but. Yeah, there is straight up a goose in the outfield. <laughs> Ball to strike. They're continuing. And they're going to play. Play on. I was a little I believe surprised. It's, yeah, I believe it's waterfowl, not bird life. <laughs> like, you know, know, like it's like wildlife. Maybe it's wildfowl and waterfowl if they are water-dwelling birds. Uh, first of all, it was a goose, so I appreciate them getting it right. The TV folks, Adam Amin, and who I forget who he was with, they were a little confused. They started with duck, then they switched to goose. That was definitely a goose. Uh, you could tell for a variety of reasons. Uh, easiest way to check is the length of the neck and the way the beak looks. You guys oh, can sure. get into it later if you're wild fowl people. Uh, what I was most disappointed in was the fact that I was not rooting for the Dodgers. The Dodgers have too much money and too much success for me to root for them in a series with the Padres. But once the goose arrived, I wanted a rally goose and they started a rally and I was disappointed after that to find that the goose had no special powers. And in fact, I think the goose might've been injured. It was making me a little sad. So I hope they got it some assistance. Uh, Look, that's what you were most disappointed with. I was most disappointed that the entire outfield didn't sit in a circle around him where they could actually for once play real duck, duck, goose. Like this was such a lost opportunity. Fair. Everybody else, duck, 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 duck. They get to the goose. They go for it from this. this is I, I was excited that down. someone followed my lead and put uh, Goose Gossage's mustache on that goose in a Photoshop because that was oh, the wow. that was the first place I went. Uh, it, the astounding part is that you are so confident that the rest of the world would know the difference between a duck and a goose. Your co-host here would not. I have no idea. Uh, you know what? I, I'm I, not confident in the world knowing literally anything <laughs> these days. So I take it all back. Oh, that's fair. By the way, big win for the Padres. They even up the series. Look at that baseball knowledge we're dropping for you. Let's get Look to the next you. one. Quickies. By the way, I felt like the goose when I was laying on the couch, you know, after a few Flintstone vitamins. You look like the goose sometimes. I'm not going to lie. Just just (laughs) sitting there on the field. I'm like, what? Baseballs? Okay. Uh, The Dolphins uh, have decided that it's enough on this two-game losing streak. So their captains took a vote on how to fix it. And very obviously, the answer for how to fix it was to remove a ping pong table that was a little busted up from the locker room. So they removed the uh, the, the centrally located table from the locker room. Uh, Coach Mike McDaniel said he's, quote, pretty pumped about the decision, not necessarily because he thought it should be moved, but because it was an example of his captains taking ownership of the team. My God, what are we doing, Sarah? I actually was like impressed by this because when I first read it, I misread it that they had taken away the ping pong table and Tyree Kill had bought a new one. And I was like, of course he did. And then I reread it. And I was like, wait, he was part of the mature group that decided to rid themselves of it. Um, and I think coach Mike McDaniel was right in saying, you know, this is leadership. It sounds cheesy, but if, if you can get your team more focused if you can get them to not have little tips with each other over something like ping pong and they can and they can get into their playbooks a little more, uh, if it works, stick with it for a bit. I don't think that's the problem. I think a third string quarterback might be the issue. But, hey, whatever you got to do. 
Yeah, I just am imagining come, everybody coming in. They're like, we're going to watch film today. We're going to play ping pong. Oh, the ping pong table is done. I guess we'll do our home. Like, I don't know. I don't know. It feels, uh, that's just one of those things. If they win, everybody won't question it. Uh, speaking of one of those weird things, next up. Quickies. The World Cup's coming up in Qatar, and they have decided that overserved fans will be sent to drunk tanks. What could possibly go wrong, Sarah, by sending a bunch of drunk fans, soccer fans, to tanks <laughs> to just hold them while they sober up? Yeah, I mean, it's a great plan for a country that doesn't really approve of alcohol to allow it in a small set of tightly regulated places and then... When people arrive and appear to be overserved, just use the eye test to send them into an area where they will presumably be wearing all of the gear for their favorite team and then thrown into a small area with a bunch of other drunk people who root for other teams. What could go wrong? There were only two people that would be sent into this tank. One would be somebody that is so drunk that they shouldn't be around people. The other is going to be somebody that's not drunk at all, and then they're angry that they spent all that right. money for World Cup tickets, and they're now sequestered into a drunk tank against the, right. like, the well, there's, rage. There, I don't want to think worst-case scenario, but there's certainly some potential for some pretty fraught scenarios where somebody has a disability and they're walking a certain way, or um, somebody has language barriers that makes people think that they're slurring, or you know, a variety of things if you're just guesstimating at someone's consumption. I also think there was a small note in the same story in which we saw this that said, good news, gay fans will be allowed to hold hands. Um, there are just so many issues that will need to be dealt with. It's bringing me back to the Olympics in Russia, where so many tried to just bury all of the massive human rights issues in advance of what's something that's supposed to bring people together. I would be deeply concerned to be there drinking at all, and I certainly would be very scared to go there if I was an LGBTQ plus fan. A hundred percent. Let's get one more story in quickly. Quickies. And that is the passport issue that has kept Giants punter Jamie Gillen in London has been resolved. He is back with the team. I just wonder, you know, he's a Scottish citizen and apparently had some work visa issues, but Sarah stunning that he went there and they didn't figure it out and he had to stay there a few, few extra Yeah, years. they knew this. <laughs> they knew that this might be a problem and they were like, eh, we'll figure it out later. That's dicey. Yeah, it's, uh, that's... It's an interesting approach. The road to the World Series goes through ESPN Radio. Catch all the postseason action presented by AutoZone on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. We've been talking about it a little bit throughout the course of the show, but a new report involving Commander's owner Dan Snyder has been the talk of the NFL today. We will talk to one of the reporters of that story next on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz hanging out with you on Thursday, leading up to what should be a great Thursday night football matchup between the Bears and the Commanders. Our concerns are as much with the quality of football on the field as the wind in Chicago, and also, of course, a major news story that hit before the game this morning, a reporting from Don Vanatta, Seth Wickersham, and Tisha Thompson from ESPN about Daniel Snyder, uh, the latest on the Washington uh, beleaguered owner. And he joins us now, Don Vanatta, ESPN senior writer, to talk about it. Don, thanks for the time. There is a lot in this piece, and, and I think the thing I like the most is you guys sought to answer a question we've been asking for what feels like years and years now, which is, how does he still have a team? How has he not been able to be removed? And it's what we all guessed, uh, allegedly. It's it's dirt on other owners. How did you go about trying to find out that, that that's the, the, the tact he was taking to protect his job? 
Well, Sarah, you're exactly right. The, the opening question that animated our reporting, and we started on this four months ago, is why is Daniel Snyder still an owner? With all these investigations, with all the problems he's had, and we set out to talk to as many people among the owners as we could. Owners of teams, top executives, league office executives, lawyers with knowledge of these investigations. We talked to more than 30 people over the course of the last four months, and we found out something pretty startling, that Dan Snyder tells confidants routinely that he has dug up enough dirt through his law firms that he could blow up the NFL. He has dirt on owners, he has dirt on people in the league office, and he has dirt on Roger Goodell. And he will use that dirt if he's forced to, if the owners try to take away his beloved franchise that he's owned for 23 years, he will use that dirt. Now, we should say his lawyers deny that Snyder has ever done this, that he's ever dug up dirt, that he's ever said these things that we quote him saying. But the language that he used, Sarah, that we quote at the top of our story is really explosive. I mean, he says things like the NFL is a mafia and that all owners hate each other. And then when we pose that to a veteran owner, the veteran owner said, that's not true. All the owners hate Dan Snyder. Mm. That brings up a, a, an interesting thought, though, because we're talking about private investigators, according to this report, that have been digging into other owners. Have other owners used private investigators that you can find out uh, to, to shadow anything with Dan Snyder? That's a good question, Jason. I, I don't know that. That's not something that I looked into. I do know that Dan Snyder told a fellow owner that he has dug up dirt on Jerry Jones. And that's significant because Jerry Jones is not only arguably the most influential owner among all 32 owners, but Jerry Jones also is a mentor and the last line of defense to Dan Snyder and somebody who has actually protected Dan Snyder. And, you know, Snyder not only told this owner that he dug up dirt on Jerry Jones, he's also been bad-mouthing Jerry Jones, telling this owner he's only out to get in your pocket, he'll sell you down the river, you can't trust him. So this is all coming to a head where you have owners thinking to themselves, we have an owner among us, he's a business partner of ours, using this incendiary language about us. And is that appropriate? Is that somebody that we want to remain in our club going forward? I'm fascinated by, and I know uh, Seth Wickersham spoke today, uh, one of your fellow reporters, about the other owners' re reactions to all of this. But there was a very specific detail that involved uh, private investigators. And, and I, if I knew that my co-conspirators in any business endeavor had people following me around looking for dirt, that disrupts every moment of your life and every decision you make, unrelated to football even. That, to me, would feel like a major issue. Have you heard from or spoken to any owners about that particular part of it? Yes, we have. And, um, you know, quite a few. And, and team presidents as well, Sarah. And they all say that, you know, this is inappropriate, that it's too much, that it's not the way owners should be behaving with each other. Um, you know, we had an owner talking about Snyder and, and says to, and, and told us this is what happens when you get into business with bad people. Mm -hmm. They know he'll burn their houses down. So this has been very alarming to owners. Uh, one owner in particular thought that this could possibly be the tipping point 
uh, among the membership and taking a vote. You know, three-fourths of the owners are needed to uh, basically vote Snyder out of the club and force him to sell the team. Now, that's kind of the nuclear button option. I'm not so sure in talking to people in the run-up to this story and even today that that's going to happen as early as next Tuesday when the owners meet for their autumn meeting in New York. But certainly there is a lot of talk that Snyder, what he has done and the way he has talked about his fellow owners has crossed the line with many of the owners that we've spoken with. Don, you just mentioned the owners' meetings next week, and it feels like in the court of public opinion, if the owners don't do anything, then popular perception is going to believe that it is because Snyder's dug up all of these owners are terrible people. It becomes sort of that uh, that impetus. Like, how much does this report impact the way they were going to handle business next week when it comes to Snyder? Well, that's a good question. And I, I talked to a couple people today who read our story, and their reaction is, you know, if they don't do anything next week, because people will be watching very closely, it can be perceived that some owners, including Jerry Jones in particular, because Jerry Jones was silent in our story. As you guys know, Jerry's never silent about anything, but he declined to comment for our story. And that silence is kind of deafening. And, you know, we heard if they don't do anything next week, they could appear to be complicit in this and and giving him a pass or looking as if they are afraid that he has dug up dirt and they're afraid that it's going to come out about them. So it puts them in a very difficult position. And, you know, Roger Goodell, we also reported for the first time in this story, somebody very close to him, told us that Roger wants Dan Snyder out of the league. Now, he's been very agnostic in his public comments. Um, He's even been sort of sheepish in some owners' meetings, we were told, and didn't really want to deal with Snyder. But somebody very close to Goodell said he's had it with Snyder, and he would want him out of the league tomorrow if he could make that decision on his own. It's Spain and Fitz. We're talking to Don Vanatta. You can follow him at DVN Junior, ESPN senior writer, part of the group that put together this incredible reporting on Daniel Snyder, owner of the Commanders. There was some interesting reporting. We played a clip from you earlier in the show about a woman who has turned down multiple alleged uh, payouts from Dan Snyder and has instead offered up her story of sexual uh, uh, harassment and and assault to investigators and that you believe that the results of her interview and what might come out could be uh, a really big piece of, of Snyder's undoing. I understand and recognize that it's naive to believe that owners will care more about an owner who's created a toxic work environment and harassed endless women over their own reputations and potential blackmail. But is there any public concern about caring more about reports that he's got dirt on him than the endless reports of harassment and, and potential assault at that at that franchise? Well, they're they're weighing that. And um, I asked that question, Sarah, of, of a few people, because, you know, we should also talk about Dan Snyder's failure to get a stadium, because that also is very alarming to owners. But but to your point about this particular woman, just to be clear about what the allegation is, uh, she was a uh, Washington employee that was on Dan Snyder's private plane in the spring of 2009. And she alleges that Snyder groped her asked her for sex, and tried to remove her clothes on his plane. Now, Snyder's denied any wrongdoing, but he did pay the woman $1.6 million and got her to sign a nondisclosure agreement back in 2009. Now, when Beth Wilkinson did this investigation on behalf of the team and the league of the toxic workplace allegations that were broken by the Washington Post, Dan Snyder's attorneys tried to again pay this woman 
seven figures, at least a million dollars, to remain silent so she wouldn't talk to either Wilkinson or Mary Jo White, who's conducting the current investigation for the NFL, and she flatly turned it down, her attorney told us. Her attorney's a pretty famous Washington lawyer named Brendan Sullivan, and he was on the record saying she would not accept a second payment. So Snyder is, again, trying to silence somebody who actually has pretty you know, outrageous allegations about his own sexual misconduct that could cost him the team. And that's part of what we reported in the ESPN.com piece that went up live this morning. Has there been any indication on what the next step is for Washington on that investigation from, from Congress themselves? They're coming out with a report, Jason. Uh, they're going to come out with their final report, and we believe it's going to be coming soon, um, possibly as early as next week. Um, they will do their final report. Uh, and also Mary Jo White, as I mentioned, uh, she has been at work since February, uh, and she did interview uh, this woman that I just, this, that I just talked about uh, with that sexual misconduct allegation. She is also going to come out with a final report. And we did have some owners and some league executives say they're a little bit in a, of a holding pattern to see the results of those two investigations before they make a final decision. But certainly, uh, with what we reported today, there is some momentum among some people, and possibly even Jerry Jones, to do something sooner because of the revelations in our story this morning. Uh, really quick, because we have to let you go. Uh, Goodell has said before, I cannot remove him. So there has to be a vote. And do you have any indication if a vote went down today, what the result might be from the other owners? That's a great question, Sarah. I didn't, I was unfortunately not able to poll every single owner. We talked to uh, owners and team executives from about a little more than a dozen teams. I did ask a number of owners that. Not a single owner said that they would vote for Daniel Snyder to keep the team. And, uh, you know, we had uh, multiple people tell us that they feel as if there are enough owners, if a vote happened today, who would vote against Snyder. Amazing reporting. And thanks so much for the insight, Don. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Don. Thank you. Always fun to talk to you guys. Don Vanatta at DVN Jr. is where you can follow him and find the story. Go read it. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs. For protection on the road and on the water, see how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com. Coming up, we'll head to Chicago, where I am. Windy night. Courtney Cronin's going to get us set for Thursday Night Football. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Well... We're, we're not far away now from what might be an entertaining matchup between two teams just bad enough to be a good match for each other or uh, something even worse than what we saw last week with Broncos Colts. Uh, Amazon, I'm sure, hoping for the former. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. Courtney Cronin joining us now uh, to talk about tonight's Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime, Commanders Bears. Courtney, uh... I know the Bears are not a good football team, but they were very close to beating what seems like a decent football team in the Vikings. They beat the Niners. It was a monsoon. But I'm curious as to why you believe that they are an underdog in a home game against a one in four commanders team that's missing a lot of players. Yeah, I was surprised about that because they opened as one point favorites on Sunday and then four days later. Uh, that changed and they got their top cornerback in Jalen Johnson. So I, in, you know, you take a look at the inactives on the other side, they're missing 
Jahan Dotson. I mean, the receiving core is thin as well. So I was a little surprised about them being home underdogs, but I just think that, you know, people are Vegas might be looking at Justin Fields kind of in a vacuum and seeing what they saw last week against Minnesota and knowing the conditions for tonight, it is going to be a very windy game that maybe the passing attack doesn't look as good as it did in the second half uh, against the Vikings. You mentioned Fields. That's We talk about him constantly. It's the most important thing for the Bears so far. So give me your assessment of where Fields is at this point in the season. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a week-to-week thing, Fitz, and that's the tough thing for you know a lot of Bears fans to stomach because they expect you know a second-year quarterback who was taken with a top-ten draft pick to be in a spot where he's improving more than what we've seen. And it's been hard for this team to get the passing attack off the ground. They've only attempted 88 passes in five weeks. Um, Some of that is on the quarterback, you know, being not deliberate enough. I would say that there's been moments where Fields looks kind of gun shy back there, not really wanting to trust that his receivers are going to get open and and holding onto the ball too long. And then it results in a, you know, a negative play for this team. But if he can be the guy that they had uh, in the second half of last week, 135 passing yards, 12 of 13, he would have had you know a, a rushing touchdown to go along with the passing touchdown had it not been for that block in the back. You know that's the Justin Fields that you know this team hopes is still there and will continue to be there on a week to week basis because they tapped into it in the second half. They just now need that to come out much sooner. Uh, especially being at home and, and on a short week against the Commanders. It's Spain and Fitz talking to Courtney Cronin, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Courtney, this pass rush has been terrible. Robert Quinn has mm-hmm. been absent. This is a guy that set the Bears franchise record for sacks last year, and he's nowhere to be found. Is this a system issue? Well, I think it's the fact that Akeem Hicks now plays for another team, although didn't he get injured? I don't, I don't know what his status is, but... He yeah. went somewhere else, so uh, they don't have the interior pass rush. And Khalil Mack is on the Chargers, so I mean, you trade away two thirds of your, or, you know, let two thirds of your pass rush walk in free agency with the trade, and then obviously letting Hicks go. This is kind of the result that you get. So I don't think it's a system issue as much as it's a talent deficiency. And of course, you know, to your point, they do like to get pressure with their four down linemen. They're not a team that blitzes a ton, but they kind of have to. And they've realized that they did it more against Minnesota than they had in previous weeks. And of course, the play action game is tough to defend. So those numbers don't look great. I think they pressured him 19 cousins 19 times in the first half last week. So that's got to improve. But you'd like to think that they might have a better chance to do that tonight, knowing the conditions, knowing that Carson Wentz has dropped back more than any other quarterback in the NFL through the first five weeks of the season. And then that typically leads you uh, to leads many to believe you can tee off with your pass rush, at least try and be put, putting yourself in a situation where you can do it a little bit more easily than you had in weeks past. All right, Courtney, give us your thoughts on Iberflu so far overall and the job that the staff is doing with the talent they have. Best they can. I, I know that's kind of a cop-out answer. If you want a letter grade, I give him a B-. minus. I did think that his aggressive decisions last week, while some of them didn't work out, he kept going back to the well. I mean, there was a two-point conversion. That got blown up because it was a screen pass, and it was kind of a weird play. But nonetheless, they, they decided that onside kick that they went for in the third quarter was a move that they were going to make as of last Tuesday. So I can appreciate those sorts of things that Eberflus is doing, and I think we'll really be able to tell you know, this team 
continues kind of on the path it's on right now where they might win a game here and there, but they're more or less a losing team, you know, is the culture, the hits principle, all stuff like that. Is that what the guys are deferring to in the locker room when things aren't going right here? Because that's, you know, been the biggest point of emphasis for Eberflus in coming here and trying to, you know, build a team that doesn't quit, a team that's resilient, a team that's young and trying and very impressionable and trying to do stuff that, you know, they haven't been capable of here the last couple of years and turning the culture takes time. So we're five weeks in. I think he's done a pretty decent job with that so far. Courtney, one minute or less, where is this game one tonight, knowing who's in, who's out, and the strengths and weaknesses of this team's? I picked the Bears 23-20, and I think a lot of that's going to have to do with David Montgomery getting this team off to a hot start. Uh, you know, if they need to divert to Khalil Herbert at any point, they can certainly do that. But I'm, you know, I think I'd like to believe that Fields can pick up where he left off last week because it felt like the pockets were cleaner and that his decision making and just his overall calmness and poise was at a much different level than it was in previous weeks. Yeah, I'm going to need that point total to come in a little lower, though, Courtney. I was going to say, Fitz is telling everyone to take the under. With the wind, it'll be interesting to see how it takes these teams out of maybe wanting to be more aggressive or out of potentially trying to pass more, especially the Bears side of things. Uh, That wind could be a factor. Courtney, thanks for the time. As always, enjoy the game. You're the best. Thank you both. Appreciate it. The awesome Courtney Cronin. Follow her at Courtney R. Cronin. Even though that's not what the screen says, I know it by heart. Yeah, that because is she was That's a co-host good. of Spain and Company. I said her Twitter handle over and over again. At Courtney R. Cronin is where you can follow her. She's a fantastic ESPN Bears beat reporter and a radio host here. Don't forget you can tune in for football action Sunday as the Steelers host the Bucks. Coverage begins at noon Eastern on select ESPN radio stations. The Bears are among the teams that we need to pick because in theory, we don't have a show tomorrow. Now, (laughs) we weren't supposed to have a show tonight either, so who knows what's going to happen. But we're still going to make all of our picks tonight, just in case for the weekend. And we're also going to get into some of the games that are must-watch. Fitz, there's a college football slate that cannot be ignored this week, right? Yeah, man, there are so finally we get a weekend stock full of big matchups. We'll break it. Yeah, back. it's going to make it tough to figure out what to, what to spend our time on this weekend. We'll we'll help you lead to, through that. But uh, coming up, we're going to get the angle on the Commanders half of Thursday night football coming up next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast.